Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about a topic that I've been thinking about for quite some time. Uh, so some uh, uh, podcast topics uh, um, come relatively easy to me and I know exactly uh, what I want to say and um, the point that I want to get get across. Uh, with this one, it's uh, it was really a bit of financial ad- analysis was required in order to determine, you know, what the right outcome was. Uh, but also really just thinking about different clients, uh, different investors, different situations and how they've worked out. So anyway, let me cut to the chase. The, the topic is really about, is it a good strategy to c- complete capital improvements to investment properties? Uh, whether that's cosmetic renovations, complete rebuilds, or even, you know, small small uh, developments like uh, two or three townhouses, those sorts of things. Uh, so from a strategy perspective, is that a good strategy or is it all just about the land? Buy really good quality land, hold on to it, don't do anything, don't spend any money on it. So, of course, uh, as we know, the value of a property consists of two components – uh, the land value plus any improvements on that land, which obviously the dwelling and and so forth. Uh, generally, um, because of supply and demand, uh, land appreciates, whereas buildings depreciate over time due to wear and tear. And look, a building's not going to last forever, um, particularly, I mean, it depends on it, its construction quality, but I would argue construction quality is probably deteriorated uh, to some degree over time. Uh, so if you go and build a new home, you know, how's it go- how long is it going to last? 30, 40, 50 years maybe? Well, is it going to be there in 100 years? Possibly, but maybe not. So it's not going to last for an infinite time, whereas land is just going to be there forever, um, uh, of course. So uh, we, we get to benefit from, you know, it doesn't have a useful life. And of course, then as a property gets closer to the end of its useful life, uh, the value of that asset depreciates, of course, because you know we don't uh, we can't enjoy it forever. Uh, of course, it's possible to manufacture equity in property by making capital improvements, uh, and that occurs when the cost of making those improvements is less than the market value improvement. So, for example, if I go and renovate a house, put a new kitchen and bathroom in it, it cost me a hundred thousand dollars. It's quite possible or conceivable that the value of that asset has actually improved by, say, $150,000, thereby creating $50,000 of equity. So that's really manufacturing equity, uh, if you like. And this is the, the strategy that I am really wanted to consider and think about. Is it worth spending money on building value uh, to manufacture equity? So let's talk firstly about the maths, uh, then we'll get into the, the theory and then the analysis so as I said, the aggregate value of a, a property is the co- two components, the land value plus building value. Now typically, if we, if we make some generalizations, if we look at investment grade assets, typically if you go and buy a, a house or even an apartment in some circumstances in an investment grade location, you're probably going to get somewhere around a 60-40 split. So 60% is land value, 40% is building value. Now, if we, uh, well, we know that the median uh, house uh, rate of appreciation over long periods of times, 30, 40 years in most capital cities, is 7% or more. Um, and we've just observed that. Now, whether that's going to be 
it's going to be seven percent over the next forty years. No one, no one really knows, but that's a reasonable number to work off. So, if a property needs to appreciate by seven percent of its total value, then the land must needs to appreciate at a much higher rate because if the building's depreciating slightly over time, then the land value needs to more than offset that. And so I worked out that if the if the building is depreciating by two and a half percent, let's say, which is the the ATO's you know standard rate of depreciation on buildings. Now whether that actually occurs and transpires is going to depend on lots of factors, including the building type, um, construction quality, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But let's just go let's just go two and a half percent. Then the, if if that part so forty percent of the overall value is depreciating by two and a half percent. Then the, the remaining 60% being the land value must appreciate by a little more than 13% per annum. So it makes sense, right? So if we look at it as an example, it, let's say our property is worth $100. Uh, so the building value is worth $40 and the land value is worth $60. So that building value of $40 will depreciate by 2.5% or $1 uh, over the next 12 months and that'll, be, that'll end up being $39. Whereas the land will appreciate by maybe 13%, uh, so $8. So the land value will be worth $68. So 39 uh, plus 68 is 107, uh, being that 7% value appreciation. So from the, a maths perspective, in order to maximise your capital growth rate, your overall capital growth rate, uh, what you really need to do is maximise the land value proportion. Now, these numbers are just examples, of course. It's just like a worked example of simple maths. But I, I bang on all the time about evidence-based investing and that investing is, is simple uh, and that strategies should be able to be proven using basic logic and simple math. And this is an example here of why a high land value, uh, a high land value component property um, uh, is important because it, it uh, drives overall growth or overall returns. And even if you disagree with my 2.5% depreciation rate for buildings, let's say they don't change in value, you've still got 40% of your asset actually not appreciating uh, and only uh, 60% doing all the heavy lifting for the, for the total asset. Now, of course, there are benefits associated with making capital improvements to property, and I thought we'd talk about them because, uh, of course, it's not all bad news. Uh, so um, typically, uh, if we go and renovate, rebuild, or develop a property, uh, typically, and I underline that word typically, um, uh, the value of the end asset is worth more than the cost to, to complete it. So that's why I said the manufacturing equity at the beginning of the, uh, the podcast. Now, why does that occur? You know, why, why is it that if I go and renovate a property for 200000 the value increases by, say, 300000 Well, there's a few, there could be a few reasons for this. Uh, firstly, completing building works takes a lot of time, uh, particularly now where there's a lot of delays in terms of finding tradies and so forth, and even the cost to complete now is, has been well uh, documented, has, has increased. Uh, so there's a lot of work involved, not only in time waiting for the construction or renovation to complete, but also the owner has to spend time uh, meeting with architects, builders, dealing with issues, all those sorts of things. And no one, not everyone wants to go through that process. And some people are prepared to pay a premium to avoid going through the process, either because they, they, they don't want to get involved in a construction project or they don't have the time, you know, they want to move into something, a property that's ready. 
Uh, also, building, uh, making improvements, uh, construction and so forth, is not a riskless exercise. You know, things can go wrong, like cost blowouts, like, as I said, like we've seen through COVID. Um, uh, and sometimes purchasers will pay a, a premium to avoid the, this risk. Uh, newly constructed and renovated properties are more marketable. So they tend to attract uh, more buyer demand, and that can uh, result in price appreciation as well. Uh, and then lastly, if we're talking about subdividing, uh, so that is building one or two townhouses and subdividing into separate titles, what you're essentially doing is improving the marketability of an asset because it's more affordable to a, a larger pool of potential purchases. So for example, maybe there's uh, only a handful of people that can afford to buy a, a house on a thousand square metres, um, but if you put uh, four townhouses on that block, uh, there's a lot more people that can afford to buy a townhouse on 250 square metres because it's at a more affordable price point. Uh, and so that can create some value as well. A little bit like a, a, a stock or share split, um, they can occur just to really increase the liquidity and marketability of the particular investment. Now, while developed, newly developed properties will command a premium typically, uh, properties in disrepair will typically... Um, sell at a discount. Uh, and for exactly the same reasons that the premium exists for new properties, well, we'll discount it. We're, we're buying some headaches. We know we need to develop. We know need, we need to rebuild or, or spend some money on it. Uh, and so typically, if you want to um, uh, maximise your capital growth rate, what you want to do is keep your property in, in good repair, in good tenable order. Uh, and in fact, in a state that is commensurate with um, what a typical buyer demands for the type of property in the type of location that you own. Now, if we go and renovate or develop a property, it can give rise to uh, a number of financial benefits or improvements. Now, the obvious one is obviously a higher rental yield. You know, renters will typically pay more for more accommodation, better accommodation. Uh, renters don't really want to pay for land value. You know, land value is not really that important. I mean, the locality of the property, that's important to a renter. But apart from that, uh, typically land value is not important. But a brand new kitchen, uh, all the mods and cons, uh, you know, a well-lit uh, living area with good natural light, etc. All those things are important to a tenant and they will pay a higher rental yield uh, for that. The second benefit is depreciation benefits. Uh, you know, you, you can depreciate, if you spend money on a property, you can depreciate that asset. So Capital Works are depreciated at 2.5%. So Capital Works are really the structures, the structure. Uh, and then fixtures and fittings, which is referred to um, from a taxation perspective as plant equipment, uh, is depreciated over its useful life. And the useful life for this sort of stuff like cupboards and cooktops and those sorts of things uh, and curtains and flooring... Uh, the useful life is really so six to 12 years, you know, typically it depends on the type of product or so forth. So, for example, um, a, a two, if, you know, if you spend $250,000 on a renovation, um, that might include 70000 for example, on plant and equipment, uh, and then the rest being 180000 on the actual capital works, uh, which is the structure, uh, that will yield about $11,500 in a depreciation deduction. And remember, depreciation is a non-cash expense. You're not actually paying the physical cash out, but you get it as a tax deduction, so you get a tax refund. Um, now, I will underline, of course, the fact that 
uh, like we just talked about, buildings actually do depreciate. So yes, you're getting a tax deduction, and the reason you're getting a tax deduction is because your asset is worth less, or that part of the asset is worth less uh, than what it what it was worth 12 months ago. Now, whether again, whether it's two and a half percent, or whether in fact higher or lower, is going to depend on you know the the type of um, property we're talking about. Uh, and the last benefit of of making capital improvements is that manufacturing equity element, which is that once off spur to capital growth or equity. Uh, as a result of completing those improvements like I've talked about before. So the three benefits, higher rental yield, depreciation benefits, and potentially generating some equity in the property. Of course, there's a negative. The one big negative associated with making improvements is actually funding those improvements. Uh, And if we borrow to do that, uh, which I suggest most people uh, do that, uh, even if they've got the cash, put the cash in the offset account. Um, But if you borrow to do that, it gives rise to uh, a higher interest cost, of course, um, and in a rising interest rate environment, that becomes that cost becomes higher and higher. So what I wanted to do then is do some numbers. You know, I'm an accountant by trade, of course, and very analytical, uh, and I like to get into the numbers as as, um, as boring as that sounds to my family members. Uh, and I compared uh, three scenarios: uh, a, a cosmetic re- renovation. Uh, the next scenario was a a complete rebuild. Uh, so if you really got a really run-down property, if we build a new one, and then a small two-townhouse two development. So they're the three scenarios where we're making capital improvements to the property. And what I wanted to do is project out, taking into account all the outcomes, financial and otherwise, uh, and work out, you know, is there merit in any of these three strategies? Um, and what I have used is specific properties. Um, uh, so, uh, whether they're personal, um, or, or, or other investors that I know, um, so I've used these specific property assets to determine, you know, how much would we need to spend? What is the outcome going to be from a, a value perspective and, and also from an income, you know, rental yield and so forth perspective. So, uh, let's get into it. The scenario one is a cosmetic renovation. And so here I picked a single fronted period house in North Fitzroy in Melbourne, um, which you could buy for $1.5 million and spend 250000 on a cosmetic renovation. So new bathroom, kitchen, flooring, um, window coverings, uh, paint throughout, etc. Not changing the floor plan. If we, we buy something where the floor plan is logical, so we don't need to go that expense. Uh, we're not going up in terms of putting another level on the property. It's really all cosmetic. Uh, the un- unrenovated uh, property would have rented for five to five fifty per week. And we estimate that the post-renovation uh, rental income would increase to about $750,800 per week. Now, the alternate to this strategy is to instead buy something that doesn't need renovating. So, in the in the renovating example, we're spending we're buying for one uh, one point five and spending two fifty on it. Well, instead of doing that, we could go and buy a house for one point seven two five. Uh, and plus stamp duties, et cetera, will equal the exactly the same cost as the renovating. Uh, and we don't need to renovate it. And that would rent for about 600000 So as I said, one one five and renovate or one seven and and you don't need to renovate. Uh, now, you'll need to refer the charts uh, on the website and links are in the show notes, of course. Um, but essentially, uh, the um, result is it's, it's line ball. Uh, the renovating scenario is mildly advantageous over the first nine years, um, mainly due to the probably higher rental uh, income uh, and depreciation deductions. 
but the stronger land value component of the one seven asset um, uh, produces a better result over say a, a 15 to 20 year period because that compounding capital growth the nature of compounding capital growth it takes a while to to kick in but really it is very much line ball so when we're looking at two examples i guess two uh, opportunities to invest in and my gut feeling to be honest would have been the the cosmetic renovation opportunity would have worked out better Look, based on the assumptions that I've used, which again are based on a specific property, uh, it's suggesting that they're not, uh, and we don't need to go through the hassle of doing that renovation. Um, but it's it, it, that that was a bit of a surprising outcome. So no benefit there, um, no material benefit at least. Okay, let's look at scenario two then, which was the full rebuild. So purchase a rundown house on 800 square metres uh, in Brisbane for $1.5 million dollars. Uh, you could demolish that asset and build a new family home. And our family homes rent really well in Brisbane. Build a nice family home with large living area and a pool in the backyard. Uh, it's a really um, attractive asset from a renter's perspective. So if we demolish that old house and built a, a four to five bedroom family home with a pool, uh, the cost to build that is going to be around about 1.2 in, in current sort of costs. It's a bit inflated because of COVID. Uh, and the completed value of the assets about three million dollars. So really, we've bought for one five, spent one two on it, um, and uh, we've got a little bit of equity because it's uh, it's worth three million dollars. Uh, the rental income uh, will increase from four hundred dollars a week to a, to. Here is we're taking a good high land value quality property. Uh, and we're really creating significant building value, which is going to create a significant income stream. Now, of course, the alternative to the, that strategy um, is to go and buy the $1.5 million rundown house, rent it out for $400 a week and do nothing. You know, just live with the fact that you've got a dump on the property and you're not going to get a very large income yield. Uh, and instead of spending the $1.2 on a new construction, go and buy another asset for $1.1 million. Uh, and you're still spending the same money because the total cost of 1.1 will be 1.2 uh, with stamp duties and buyer's agents and so forth. Uh, and so they're the two scenarios that I compared there. So the outcome of the analysis was over the first eight years, the developing option, the build a new uh, family home, um, produced a better outcome. And that's not surprising given the instant equity created. Uh, and I worked out that from a cash flow, an actual cash flow perspective, you're about $26,000 better off per annum. Um, as a result of doing that. However, over the long period, spending more money on land, uh, value appreciating land, um, produced a much better result. So over 20 years, 30% more wealth or a about a million dollars in today's dollars. So a million dollars, you know, if I give you a million dollars today, that's a big difference between the two strategies. Um, and again, it makes sense because, you know, the whole theme of kind of playing the long game, investing in land, um, and not worrying too much about short-term impacts. And the short-term impact here, the short-term sugar hit is the $26,000 of additional income, which of course is significant. Um, but if I forego that uh, and play the long game and put it all into land, uh, then I, I benefit from that compounding capital growth. Okay, and the third scenario I wanted to look at was a, uh, a small townhouse development. Uh, so building in a really good quality area, building a good quality product, uh, so in this situation, um, and I use Melbourne as an example for this, I purchased this development site for one and a half million, 
demolish existing uh, dwelling and uh, construct two townhouses for a total cost of 1.2. Completed townhouses will be worth 1.7 each, so 3.2 total value, and will rent out for $800 a week each, so $1,600 uh, per week in total rental income, gross rental income. An alternate to this strategy, of course, is just to go and buy two investment properties for $1.3 million each, uh, total cost being uh, $2.8 million, exactly the same as development option. So the outcome uh, in this scenario was similar to the previous rebuild scenario, but not as stark, not, not as big a different, uh, difference between uh, values. So um, the development option was better over the first 11 to 12 years, again, because of higher income, higher depreciation benefits, et cetera, et cetera. But the buy and hold strategy, which is you know just buy two $1.3 million properties, a high land value component, of course, produced a better result, about 16%. So remember, the total rebuild scenario is 30% better off. So this is half as good, 16% better off, um, $640,000 difference over 20 years in today's dollars. So again, if I put 600 grand in your pocket, uh, you'd be pretty comfortable um, uh, with that result. Uh, so it's really interesting to see, you know, that a cosmetic renovation doesn't really have a big impact on, uh, from a financial perspective, um, uh, making substantial improvements to a property uh, certainly benefits in the first 10 years. Um, but the alternate to spending that money on more land, uh, buying another property or a larger land value component, uh, um, um, uh, produces a better net worth outcome uh, over the long run, so 20 plus years. Now, one thing, one really important thing I would point out is that you can always renovate property down the track. I can always bulldoze and rebuild. I can always develop. I can always do those things. And I'm sure the cost to construct will increase over time, but I'm sure the land value will increase at a much faster rate. You know, so it won't cost me twice as much to construct a property in 10 years, but that property or that land value could be worth twice as much in 10 years' time. So that's why I tend to counsel clients to invest most of their money, at least initially, in all land, as much land value component as possible, because you can always spend money on the renovation, on the building, on the improvements down the track. But what you can't change down the track is the amount of land you have, the locality and the orientation of that land, uh, the shape of the block, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So that's really where I would um, counsel clients to really spend their money. Now, of course, there's some non-financial benefits associated with developing property. So, as a kind of counter argument to that um, that comment, uh, is that one advantage of developing, rebuilding, or renovating properties is that you ensure you have a sustainable and desirable building style that will align with modern requirements. And this will ensure it appeals to tenants and maximise rental income, but also, and most importantly, if you plan to bequeath your properties, your beneficiaries may enjoy a higher quality or level of accommodation. So, you know, if I'm, if I'm buying some properties and I intend to give it to children or family members or whatever, um, and I know that they're going to use it for an unoccupied purpose, for example, well, uh, maybe they would prefer to inherit a relatively new townhouse as opposed to uh, a very old style uh, property. Uh, just something to keep in mind, not really a financial consideration per se, but again, something to, to keep in mind. And my final comment would be um, improving property is different from maintaining it. You're always going to have to spend money on maintaining a property. At some point, you're going to have to update the kitchen. 
cosmetically, at some point you're going to have to update bathrooms, uh, uh, repaint, recarpet, etc., etc. You're not going to get out of it. Uh, you're either going to accept a lower rental income uh, or uh, higher vacancy rates. You know, so you can never avoid um, uh, basic maintenance. Uh, you can always delay it, but you can never avoid it. Uh, so you need to do that. If you own a property for, for 20 or 30 years, you're probably going to have to renovate the bathroom, kitchen, coverings, those sorts of things, as I just said. Uh, that's prudent. That's basic um, investment management, I think, uh, to harness and uh, as much value and income as possible, um, but quite different from what I'm talking about, which is really making capital improvements. Okay, so that's it for this week. It's a bit of a big one this week, uh, and I hope you've got some value out of it. Uh, but essentially, um, uh, buildings depreciate, uh, whereas land appreciates. So as a general rule, the strategy should be buy the highest quality land uh, possible. So the, the land that's in the greatest amount of, or benefits from the greatest amount of uh, demand uh, in finite supply. Uh, and then secondly, get as much of it as possible. Okay, that's it for me for this week. Until next week, bye for now.